Dear God, thank you for another chapter that we will be reading and exploring from the book, The Desire of Ages. Once again, we ask for guidance that we may be not just, you know, you know, feed ourselves intellectually, but actually find gems here that will feed our souls. In Jesus' name, amen. Hello, friends. Chapter 29 now of the book, The Desire of Ages. And the title for this chapter is The Sabbath. And this is a special chapter. It doesn't have just one, like, uh, you know, the, the this chapter is based on. It doesn't have that. So this is amazing. And yeah, our word for the day, word for the chapter is restoration. Restoration. And there is a reason for that. Okay, so, yep, let's dive right in. Let's set the context context for this one. The Sabbath, okay. The Sabbath was hallowed at the creation. As ordained for men, it had its origin when the morning stars sang together and all the sons of God shouted for joy. That's found in Job chapter 38, verse 7. Peace brooded over the world, for earth was in harmony with heaven. God saw everything that he had made, and behold, it was very good. And he rested in the joy of his completed work. Genesis 1.31 Now, why is, this the ch- why is there a chapter dedicated for the Sabbath? You will find that in this chapter, it was... Uh, discuss the many times that jesus actually healed on the sabbath healed people on the sabbath and the pharisees and the scribes and the jewish people were angry at him for doing that okay and we will find out why now because let me just read this because he had rested upon the sabbath god blessed the seventh day and sanctified it meaning he set it apart to a holy use. He gave it to Adam as a day of rest. It was a memorial of the work of creation. Actually, I wanted to also use the word memorial, but there are so many things that can be used to represent this chapter. So let's just, okay, you will find out why restoration. So it was a memorial of the work of creation and thus a sign of God's power and his love. And also one of the words that I considered, considered is the word sign. The scripture says, he hath made his wonderful works to be remembered. The things that are made declare the invisible things of him since the creation of the world, since even his everlasting power and divinity. So here, the Sabbath is actually the crowning, I mean, okay, if you revisit creation, that's seven days, but only in six days did God work. On the seventh day, he rested. He had already finished all that he, all that he planned to, to create uh, in planet Earth, right? And he set apart the seventh day for a holy use. And he himself rested on the seventh day. And it, it, it's because of that, because that, because of the fact that he had rested, he himself had rested on the seventh day. He set it apart. He set apart the Sabbath for a holy use, for a particular use. Okay, so here. All things were created by the Son of God. It was actually Jesus before, of course, he was, before he became human. He created, all things were created by the Son of God. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God. 
And all things were made by him, and without him was not anything made that was made. John chapter 1, verses 1 to 3. And since the Sabbath is a memorial of the work of creation, so it is something that commemorates creation, yeah? It is a token of the love and power of Christ. Yeah, as much as it is the sign of God's love and power. The Sabbath calls our thoughts to nature. So nature is closely related to the Sabbath and brings us into communion with the Creator because, of course, I mean, nature is part of creation. Yeah? Brings us into communion with the Creator. Why nature? Well, the rest of the things that you don't, I mean, that's not nature, is created, I mean, is man-made, right? Okay? And the nature in its pristine beauty points to the creator and enables you to commune with the creator the in the song of the bird the sighing of the trees and the music of the sea we still may hear his voice who talked with adam and eden in the cool of the day and as we behold his power in nature we find comfort and i find that true for the word that created all things is that which speaks life to the soul he who commanded the light to shine out of darkness hath shined in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. Okay, so th this chapter emphasizes the creatorship of God. I mean, the God, the true God, the only one, is the one who created all things, right? It is he that sitteth the circle of the earth that inhabitants and the inhabitants thereof are as grasshoppers. Okay. Uh, let me just read the things that I highlighted. Okay, so it says here, To whom then will ye liken me, or whom shall I be equal? Said the Holy One. Lift up your eyes on high, and behold, who hath created these things? So in the Old Testament, you know, you will find the, this thing re repeated that, uh, I mean, there, there's that, I mean, Israel as a nation all, worships only one God. Compare that to the rest of the nations who worship so many other gods. And the distinction that, you know, I mean, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob is the God who created all things. That is the distinction that has always been emphasized in the Old Testament. That, you know, the difference. Okay, so lift up your eyes on high and behold, who hath created these things that bringeth out their host by number he calleth them all by names and the greatness and by the greatness of his might so i just wanted to emphasize here that you know uh for example people worshipped logs i mean graven images for example that came from trees that man cut down and carved right so if you really, really, really think about it objectively and without setting aside emotions or whatever, it's uh, it's ridiculous that you worship something that uh, you made yourself by your own hands. The distinction that this God of the Israelites always made is that he's the one who created all things, right? So why is creation emphasized here? Again, creation is the basis for the sabbath and the sabbath was not given to a group of people it was given to everyone because there were no israelites at creation the origin of the sabbath is at creation right okay so it is has thou not has thou not known has thou not heard that the everlasting god the lord the creator of the ends of the earth 
fainteth not, neither is weary. Okay, so that's creatorship emphasized, emphasized here. I am God and there is none else. So all these verses here are found in the Old Testament, testifying of, again, the distinction of the God of the Israelites as the one, the one who created all things. Okay, so this is the message written in nature, which the Sabbath is appointed to keep in memory. So the Sabbath was put in there to let people remember that there is someone who created the earth, right? Okay. Yeah, so when the Lord bade Israel hallow his Sabbaths, he said, They shall be a sign between me and you that they, that you may know that I am Jehovah your God. The Sabbath was embodied in the law given from Sinai, but it was, okay, this was the, the point that I was making. It was not then first made known as a day of rest. It was not, it, it was not in the Mount Sinai when the Sabbath was first revealed as the day of rest. The people of Israel had a knowledge of it before they came to Sinai. On the way, either the Sabbath was kept even before they went to Mount Sinai. Remember, the, these Israelites were held captives in Egypt, right? Because, again, it started with Joseph and his brethren. And, yeah, and they came. And Israel is essentially, that's the new name for Jacob, right? So the 12 tribes of Israel, they went to, the, went to Egypt because there was famine in their land in Canaan. And so they went to Egypt, and there they dwelt. But they had to go out after so many years because already the new, the new leadership there did not know Joseph, and the descendants of Israel, they were already being uh, used as slaves and abused, right? So they had to go out, and but but they, of course, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, their fathers. Worship the creator God, right? And so they knew about this Sabbath, but they were not able to keep it because they were already, already in Egypt, I think, because they were already being held as slaves, right? And they, they came out and in their journey, they kept the Sabbath on the way to Mount Sinai. When some profaned it, the Lord reproved them, saying, How long refuse ye? to keep my commandments and my laws. Okay, the Sabbath was not for Israel merely, but for the world. Okay, this is something that I also mentioned a while ago. It had been made known to man in Eden, in the Garden of Eden, at creation week. And like the other precepts of the Decalogue, the Decalogue is, Deca is 10, Decalogue, the 10 commandments, like the other precepts of the Decalogue, it is of imperishable obligation. Not the obligation. Oblig I know who people are, uh, you know, the, their ears ring when they hear the word obligation. But it's not obligation that's uh, imposed or whatever, forced. Not that kind. Because we already have established the law of principle which gives freedom, right? And here you will know what the Sabbath really is about. That it's not about burdens. And just wait for it. We'll come there. <laughs> so it is uh, imperishable. It's imperishable. It's because it's not given after sin. It's given before sin. It's given at creation. It has been established since creation. And creation doesn't... The fact of creation doesn't... I mean, it stands. It stands forever because God is forever creator. Okay. Of that law, which the fourth commandment... Ah, 
of that law of which the fourth commandment forms part, Christ declares, Till heaven and earth pass, one jot or one tittle shall in no wise pass from the law. I mean, the Sabbath commandment is the fourth commandment in the original, in the original, in the original numbering in the Bible. Okay, so so long as the heavens and the earth endure, the Sabbath will continue as a sign of the Creator's power. Because again, this was established at creation right after God has finished creating the heavens and the earth in six literal contiguous continuous days. Okay. And when Eden shall bloom on earth again, because I don't know, um, but Eden was is revealed also in these inspired writings in some, I don't know where to find it, but uh, Eden was... You know, it, is, it was protected, okay, the Garden of Eden. When Eden shall bloom on earth again in the new earth, God's holy rest day will be honored by all beneath the sun. From one Sabbath to another, the inhabitants of the glorious new earth shall go up to worship before me, saith the Lord. No other institution which was committed to the Jews tended so fully to distinguish them from the surrounding nations as did the Sabbath. Because once again, the distinction between them, these people, and the rest is their, the God that they worship is the creator God. And there's, that Sabbath is a sign, a token for that, for that belief, okay? God designed that its observance should uh designate them as his worshipers exactly because yeah yeah of course uh it was to be a token of their separation from idolatry because idolatry is basically worshiping other stuff other things than the creator god yeah but in order to keep the sabbath holy men them must themselves be holy that's amazing set apart through faith, they must become partakers of the righteousness of Christ. When the command was given to Israel, remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. The Lord said also to them, ye shall be holy men unto me. Only thus could the Sabbath distinguish Israel as the worshippers of God. Yeah. So, as the Jews, as the Jews departed from God and failed to make the righteousness of Christ their own by faith, the Sabbath lost its significance to them. Satan was seeking to exalt himself and to draw men away from Christ. And he worked to pervert the Sabbath because it was, it is the sign of the power of Christ. So again, we see here the great controversy. Satan wanted to pervert the Sabbath because again, the Sabbath pointed to the creator God and Christ who is creator. Through him, all things were made. And without him was not anything made that was made. And Satan just wanted to destroy Christ. Okay. So the Jewish leaders accomplished the will of Satan by surrounding God's rest day with burdensome requirements. In the days of Christ, the Sabbath had become so perverted that its observance reflected the character of selfish and arbitrary men rather than the character of the loving Heavenly Father. So this is why you see that, okay, <laughs> I'm getting ahead of myself. Let me just go through this because this is very rich. I feel that... I shouldn't escape anything. So we might extend for this particular chapter. Okay. 
The rabbis virtually represented God as giving laws which it was impossible for men to obey. They led the people to look upon God as a tyrant and to think that the observance of the Sabbath as he required it made men hard-hearted and cruel. It was the work of Christ to clear away these misconceptions. So once again, it was the object of Satan to malign the character of God. And so he maligns the character of anything that God established, everything and anything God established. And one of that is the Sabbath. And so he destroys the concept of the Sabbath to, in order for people to look to God as the one that gives that commandment as someone who's tyrant. But again, the, one of the purposes and the main purpose of Jesus coming here down on earth is to actually demonstrate what God actually is like and what his purposes actually were or are, right? So it was the work of Christ to clear away all these misconceptions about the Sabbath. Although the rabbis followed him with merciless hostility, he did not even appear to conform to their requirements, but went straight forward, keeping the Sabbath according to the law of God. So Jesus, once again, were healing people on the Sabbath, but he did not care about the opinions of the scribes and Pharisees about that. He just straightforward kept the Sabbath according to the original intention of God. Upon the Sabbath day, as the Savior and his disciples returned from the place of worship, so there is the element of worship on the Sabbath day, they passed through a field of ripening grain. So this is the context of the main story here. Jesus had continued his work to a late hour, and while passing through the fields, the disciples began to gather the heads of grain and to eat the kernels after rubbing them in their hands so they were hungry. On any other day, this act would have excited no comment for one passing through a field of grain, an orchard, or a vineyard was at liberty to gather what he desired to eat. So there was a provision that if you pass through a vineyard, a field, you can actually eat of those. They were, that was a, a beautiful provision. Like, there, there, it's, it's an unselfish provision. Like, everyone can just, you know, pass by and just take up what you can eat, of course. So you don't harvest everything. But if you're hungry, you can. You can actually do that. It's found in Deuteronomy 23, chapter 23, verses 24 and 25. But to do this on the Sabbath was held to be an act of desecration. Wow. But, but this is a man-made thing. Okay, remember that. Not only was the gathering of the grain a kind of reaping, but the rubbing of it in the hands was a kind of threshing. Thus, in the opinion of the rabbis, there was a double offense. The spice at once complained to Jesus, saying, Behold, thy disciples do that which is not lawful to do on the Sabbath day. So again, the spies are constantly following Jesus and monitoring his actions. When accused of Sabbath breaking at Bethesda, you remember that story, Jesus defended himself by affirming his sonship to God and declaring that he worked in harmony with the Father. At the pool at Bethesda, where there was a man who was also a paralytic and who could not walk, he was waiting for the pool to be stirred, and no one just healed. No one bring would no one could bring him to the pool so that he could be healed. So you remember that, and then Jesus said, "Rise up, take up your bed, and walk." And that was the Sabbath day. So Jesus was accused of Sabbath breaking in that occasion. And Jesus defended himself by affirming his sonship to God, declaring that he worked in harmony with the Father even during the Sabbath day. The Father always works in the sense that he always 
rains and he always i mean spreads sunshine and all that he always cares for people he makes the world go round and round and round always he doesn't seize so that was his point now that the disciples are attacked he cites his accusers to examples from the old testament acts uh, performed on the sabbath by those who were in the service of god Okay, so the Jewish prided themselves on their knowledge of the scriptures, and in the Savior's answer, there was an implied rebuke for their ignorance of the sacred writings. Have you not read so much as this, he said, what David did when himself wasn't hungered, and they which were, were with him, how he went into the house of God and did take and eat the showbread, which is not lawful to eat, but for the priests alone. And he said unto them, the Sabbath was made for men and not man for the Sabbath. So, yep, yep, yep. The Son of Man is also Lord of the Sabbath. So, the okay, this line, the Sabbath was made for man and not man for the Sabbath. This is repeatedly emphasized here in the entire chapter, expounding the implications of that. Okay. And, okay, so let's just dive right in into the implications. So, yeah, if it was right for David to satisfy his hunger by eating of the bread that had been set apart to a holy use, then it was right for the disciples to supply their need by plucking the grain upon the sacred hours of the Sabbath. Why? Why? Uh, I mean, okay, consider this. Again, the priests in the temple performed greater labor on the Sabbath than upon other days. So those people who had, I mean, been chosen to minister in the temple the priests they still perform they still work i mean they still work in the temple right that's the same thing in the church setting right now for example those who always uh, made sure that the projector is on and was in charge of the multimedia presentations uh, the slides in the sabbath services for example and uh, the ones that you know do the programming and all that they they quote unquote work right work but, of course, it's, it's not a labor that they're paid for, right? It's not a business work, right? So, they still perform labor, physical, right? But, again, they're not paid for it or something. So, what happened was, okay, uh, the same la labor in secular business would be sinful in secular business. But the work of the priests were in the service of God. And they were performing those rites that pointed to the redeeming power of Christ. And their labor were in harmony with the object of the Sabbath. The object of the Sabbath. And what is the object of the Sabbath? Okay, now, right. Uh, the disciples in doing the work of Christ were engaged in God's service. And that which was necessary for the accomplishment of this work. It was right to do on the Sabbath day. So it okay. So here in this chapter, you will read all the things that are okay to do in the Sabbath day, and one of those things is to do the service of God, right? Okay. Now Christ would teach his disciples and his enemies that the service of God is first of all. I mean, it's above all. The object of God's work in this world is the redemption of man. Therefore. That which is necessary to be done on the Sabbath in the accomplishment of this work is in accord with the Sabbath law. So if, for example, I mean, the, ob the, the priority now is to redeem human beings. Now, if, if you do something that is in line with that priority, then that is okay to do on the Sabbath. Okay, so they are in harmony because anyway, the object 
Okay, so one of the objects of the Sabbath is actually redemption. Again, the emphasis in the, the earlier parts of the chapter is that the Sabbath was a token for the creation. It was to be a memorial, a sign that God is creator, right? Now, now the Sabbath also is a sign of redemption, right? So anything that is done which aligns with that with that primary objective is okay to do on the Sabbath. All right, so Jesus then crowned his argument by declaring himself the Lord of the Sabbath. Okay, one above all question and above all law. This infinite judge acquits the disciples of blame appealing to the very statutes that they were accused of violating. Okay, uh... Okay, so I might extend for this particular chapter because it is rich. Okay, so let me just read this. Jesus did not let the matter pass with admi with administering without administering a rebuke to his enemies. He declared that in the blindness they had mistaken the object of the Sabbath. He said, if he had known what this meaneth, I will have mercy and not sacrifice, he would not have condemned the guiltless. Their many heartless rights could not supply the lack of the truthful integrity and tender love which will ever characterize the true worshiper of God. Okay, so next. Again, Christ reiterated the truth that the sacrifices were in themselves of no value. They were a means, not an end. Their object was to direct men to the Savior and thus to bring them into harmony with God. It is the service of love that God values. When this is lacking, the mere round of ceremony is an offense to him. So with the Sabbath. Ah, it was designed to bring men into communion with God. But when the mind is absorbed with wearisome rites, the object of the Sabbath was thwarted. Its mere outward observance was a mockery. Okay. So, yep. Now, another another instance where... Jesus and his disciples, Jesus in particular, this time, was rebuked for what he did on the Sabbath. But, you know, Jesus demonstrated that it was actually okay. And it was actually the in alignment with the purpose of the Sabbath. Okay, this, this thing right here. Upon another Sabbath, as Jesus entered the synagogue, he saw there a man who had a withered hand. Okay, his hand was withered. Okay, he saw, okay, the Pharisees watched him, Jesus, eager to see what he would do. The Savior well knew that in healing on the Sabbath, he would be regarded as a transgressor, but he did not hesitate to break down the wall of traditional requirements that barricaded the Sabbath. Why? Because Jesus was, again, he was trying to free the Sabbath of what the Pharisees and their authorities, the authorities, the Jewish authorities had laid on it. They, again added so many burdensome requirements that God did not intend to put in there in the Sabbath. And Jesus was liberating the Sabbath from all those, all those. Okay, so Jesus did not hesitate to break down the wall of traditional requirements because he wanted to set the Sabbath free and to set the people free. So Jesus bade the afflicted man stand forth and then he asked, is it lawful to do good on the Sabbath or to do evil, to save life or to kill? 
It was a maxim among the Jews that a failure to do good when one had the opportunity was to do evil. To neglect to save life was to kill. Thus, Jesus met the rabbis on their own ground, but they held their peace. And when he had looked about roundabout on them with anger, being grieved for their kind hardness of their hearts. So here is a righteous anger. He was grieved for the hardness of their hearts. He saith unto the man, Stretch forth thine hand. And he stretched it out, and his hand was restored. And this is one of the basis for our choice of word, restoration. Restoration, right? So when questioned, is it lawful to heal on the Sabbath days? Jesus answered, What man shall there be among you that shall have one sheep? And if it fall into a pit on the Sabbath day, will he not lay hold on it and lift it out? How much then is a man better than a sheep? Wherefore, it is lawful to do well on the Sabbath days. Yeah. So the spies dared not answer Christ in the presence of the multitude for fear of involving th themselves in difficulty. They knew he had spoken the truth. Well, they knew. Rather than violate their traditions, they would leave a man to suffer while they would relieve a brute because of the loss to the owner if it were neglected. So here is actually a, uh, an inconsistency because they would relieve a brute. What is a brute? Uh, it's an animal because it will suffer. I mean, the, the owner will suffer loss if it's not rescued. So there is that desire for the financial or the money, you know, but... Yeah, they would they would relieve the they would rescue the the animal but they would not rescue the human Be they would rescue the animal because of self-interest but they would not rescue the the human and that is so like uh, it's just contradictory it, it's if you just think about it really so greater care was shown for the dumb animal than for a man who is made in the image of God Okay, not that we don't care for the animal, but here the, the care for the animal was not for the animal. Animal, It was for the profit that could be lost if the animal was not rescued, really. So every religion, so again, they originate, oh wait, wait, wait. Uh, greater care was shown for the dumb animal than for man who is made in the image of God. This illustrates the working of all false religions. They originate in man's desire to exalt himself above God, but they result in degrading man below the brute. Every religion that wars against the sovereignty of God defrauds man of the glory which was his at the creation and which is to be restored, once again, to be restored to him in Christ. Every false religion teaches its adherents to be careless about human needs, sufferings, and rights. The gospel places a high value upon humanity as the purchase of the blood of Christ, and it is, and it teaches a tender regard for the wants and woes of man. The Lord says, I will make a man more precious than fine gold, even a man, than the golden wedge of a fear. So, when Jesus turned upon the Pharisees with the question whether it was lawful on the Sabbath day to do good or to do evil, to save life or to kill, he confronted them with their own wicked purposes. Now see here, this is exciting. They were hunting his life with bitter hatred while he was saving life and bringing happiness to the multitudes. Was it better to slay upon the Sabbath as they were planning to do because they were planning to kill Jesus? Than to heal the afflicted as he, Jesus, had done. 
Was it more righteous to say to have murder in their heart upon God's holy day, because they wanted to murder Jesus, than to then love to all men, which finds expression in deeds of mercy, which exactly is exactly what Jesus did. So in the healing of the withered hand, Jesus condemned the custom of the Jews and left the fourth commandment standing as God had given it. It is lawful to do well in the Sabbath days, he declared. By sweeping away the senseless restrictions of the Jews, Christ honored the Sabbath, while those who complained of him were dishonoring God's holy day. Those who hold that Christ abolished the law teach that he broke the Sabbath and justified his disciples in doing the same. Thus, they are really taking the same ground as did the caviling Jews. In this, they contradict the testimony of Christ himself, who declared, I have kept my father's commandments and abide in his love. Neither the Savior nor his followers broke the law of the Sabbath. Christ was a living representative of the law. No violation of its holy precepts was found in his life. So what Jesus actually did is he did not break the Sabbath. He liberated it. He kept it as God had intended it to be kept. Not with all the restrictions added to it by the scribes and the Pharisees. Okay. So the Savior did not come to set aside what the patriarchs and prophets had spoken. And this is the reason. This is the point. Because it was he, it was he himself that had spoken all those, all those things by these representatives. All the truths of God's word came from Jesus himself, from Christ himself, because before he became Jesus, the human. But these priceless gems had been placed in false settings their precious light had been made to minister to error god desired them to be removed from their settings of error and replaced in the framework of truth this work only a divine hand could accomplish by its correction connection with error truth had been serving the cause of the enemy of god and man christ had come to place it where it would glorify god and work the salvation of humanity so yeah, we were now <laughs> we're now nearing the end. The Sabbath was made for man and not man for the Sabbath. And here is one implication of that statement. That's what Jesus said. The institutions that God has established are for the benefit of mankind. All mankind. All things are for your sakes. Whether Paul or Apollos or Cephas or the world or life or death or things present or things to come. All are yours. And you are Christ's and Christ is God. God's. The law of Ten Commandments of which the Sabbath forms a part, God gave to his people as a blessing. So this is, okay, so this is what uh, is implied in the statement, the Sabbath was made for man. It is for your sake. It is for your blessing. Okay, so, and not just the Sabbath, the entire Ten Commandments is given as a blessing. The Lord commanded Moses the Lord commanded us, said Moses, to do all these statutes to fear the Lord our God for our good always, that he might preserve us alive. So everything in the Ten Commandments are a blessing. Why? Just a quick run through of that. No, we'll not be running through that. But basically, the Ten Commandments is composed of four, I mean, four on the, I mean, the tablets of stone, four on the right and six on the left. That's ten. And the first part, the first tablet is love to God. And the second one is love to man. And this principle of love, self-sacrificing, non-coercive, self-giving love 
other-centered love is actually a blessing. I don't know if I already told you, but without, I mean, it is the key to a sustainable life. Imagine if people were just following their own selfish hearts and their, their own wants. Each individual person on this planet just follow their own thing. Eventually, the whole network of human beings would collapse. And you already see this in societies where people just follow their, their own wants, right? And they don't allow for others to live. And eventually, the society collapses, right? So the key to a sustainable life, to a sustainable community, to a sustainable society is to have all these principles em embraced by everyone, right? It is appointed as a blessing. Okay, so, yep. All right, let me just finish this. Wherefore, the Son of Man is Lord also of the Sabbath. And that has another implication. And it, uh, the chapter expounds that. It says here, these words are full of instruction and comfort. Because the Sabbath was made for man, it is the Lord's day. So friends, actually, the Lord's day, as indicated in the book of Revelation, it's not Sunday, it is the Sabbath day. The Sabbath day is actually the Lord's day. And it's the Sabbath is not burdensome, as people might think, as modern Christians might think. I mean, one of the reasonings of the modern Christians is that, okay, uh, the Sabbath is actually burdensome. It's a Jewish, it's old, it's, uh, it's been... Uh, it's been abolished at the cross because it is one of those burdensome things. But no, Christ himself, Jesus said himself that as long as the earth stands, as long as the heaven stands, nothing in the, the Ten Commandments will pass away. And that includes the Sabbath. So the Sabbath is not burdensome. It is the Lord's day. It is the sign of God's creatorship and not just his creatorship, but his being the Redeemer right? It belongs to Christ, the Redeemer. For all things were made by him, that's creation, and without him was not anything made that was made. Since he made all things, he made the Sabbath. By him, it was set apart as a memorial of the work of creation. There it is again. It is a token of creation, and it points to him, to Jesus, as both the creator and the sanctifier, the Redeemer. It declares that he who created all things in heaven and in earth and by whom all things hold together is the head of the church and that by his power we are reconciled to God. For speaking of Israel, he said, I gave them my Sabbaths to be a sign between me and them that they might know that I am the Lord that sanctifies them. All right, that makes them holy. Then the Sabbath is a sign of Christ's power to make us holy. That's why I also consider the word sign because it's repeated here. The Sabbath is a sign. And it is given to all whom Christ makes holy. A sign of his sanctifying power, the Sabbath is given to all through to all who through Christ become a part of the Israel of God. Yep, yep, yep. So as the Lord, okay, this is the last paragraph. And the Lord says, If thou turn away thy foot from the Sabbath, from doing thy pleasure on my holy day, and call the Sabbath a delight, the holy of the Lord honorable, then shalt thou delight thyself in the Lord. And to all who receive the Sabbath as a sign of Christ's creative and redeeming power, it will be a delight. If you your mindset is like that, if you see it as a sign of 
Christ's creative and redeeming power, not a, a burdensome thing. Yeah, it is actually liberating if you really think about it. Because, you know, you it means that you don't have to work your way, number one, to keep yourself alive. That's number one. And number two is that you don't have to work your own salvation. Because as we read from the previous chapter, it's not about salvation by works. This is, uh, it's all, the Sabbath is a, a token that everything has been, everything has been provided for you, actually. I mean, you work, yes, but you, you don't control everything, right? Like everything else anyway that you work, the field that you work, the, the field, the seeds, I mean, you sow the seeds, right? But the seeds, I mean, you don't grow them, right? And, and the rest of the things that you don't do, that you're not in control of, you give that to the creator and he's, he's going he, gonna to take care of everything else, right? And the Sabbath has that connotation that, okay, you're rest now because your work is done and I'm going to take care of everything else now. So the Sabbath, see, uh, seeing Christ in the Sabbath, we can delight ourselves in him. The Sabbath points them to the works of creation as an evidence of his mighty power in redemption. While it calls to mind the lost peace of Eden, it tells of peace restored. There you have the word again. It tells of peace restored through the Savior. And every object in nature repeats his invitation, Come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavily laden, and I will give you rest. Rest and restoration. I wanted to say rest and restoration, but we have a we have a pattern here that we only choose one word, just one word for each chapter. And that's for me, it's restoration. Anyway, it has rest at the beginning. Okay, just kidding. But restoration, because here in this chapter, it's so rich that I have read almost everything, but I still will leave the link of the, the online reading resource. You can read the entire chapter in the description. I mean, there's a link in the description that I will be leaving. And uh, yep, restoration it is. Because here, not only was Christ restoring the Sabbath to its intended original intended purpose, he was also saying that the Sabbath is actually for the restoration of humanity in terms of, for example, physical physical defects. Right? He was rescuing this man with a withered hand, and he was restoring the man's hand. It became whole. But it's not, it's not just about physical healing. It's also about spiritual healing, right? So, so the Sabbath and restoration, the work of rest, restoration and the work of redemption, those are in harmony, okay? And the Sabbath is a sign not just of God's creatorship, but him being the recreator of things. So his creator and someone chose to rebel and destroy the works of God's creation and destroy also, I mean, people's lives and people are suffering. And the Sabbath is again a token, a sign of rest for those people who are suffering. And the offer here is to be restored once again into the original image that God had intended for people to have. Okay, so... It is a sign of creative power and recreative power. If anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old is gone and the new has come. 
So that is the beauty of the Sabbath. It is not burdensome, ladies and gentlemen. It is liberating in the sense that it's not about your works. Nothing in your works could save you. And it, nothing in your, I mean, of course, six days you shall labor and do all your work. But you don't control everything. So you rest on the Sabbath caring for nothing, secular-wise, right? Because everything else God will provide for. And also, it is liberating in the sense that there is nothing in you that you can do to save yourself. So it is liber liberating in the sense of redemption, in the sense of salvation. That it reminds you that salvation is not gained by works. It is a done deal. It is a done deal. And nothing that you can do can appease God or, you know, make him love you more. Because it is a done deal. Right? Okay, there is this. this is a very rich chapter and we have to close now. I want to apologize for, I mean, I promised in the previous chat, in the previous episodes that we will only be limiting ourselves to 25 to 30 minutes max. But this chapter is so rich, so I will be giving myself an exemption for this one. So we are running like, I think, uh, 45 something. No, it's going to be 50 minutes, I think. And now we will close. So again, what's the whole point that I wanted to share? Yeah, if you are not a Sabbath keeper yet, you can try. You can try. And if you have questions, you can email me in the description. Once again, I'll be leaving the email. Okay, if you're curious about the Sabbath and if it's your first time to hear about the Sabbath and or maybe you were curious about it and you want to learn more about it, then you can email me your questions in the email that I'll be leaving in this description once again. So thank you. And we'll close with a prayer. Dear Father, thank you so much for this amazing chapter on the Sabbath. Thank you that it is found in the Desire of Ages. And if there's anyone who is listening to this that's curious about the Sabbath and the blessing that's in it, may you lead them to the right places and the right people so that they can learn more about this. Well, not the right people, but maybe just you and the word so that they themselves will see from the Bible what the Sabbath really is for. They can start with Genesis, right? In the creation where the Sabbath was first established, of course. And yeah, 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 of course. And we thank you in advance for everything that you will still be revealing to us as we continue reading through the book, The Desire of Ages. May this be a wonderful journey for everyone who's following the book. And in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.